about more you talk now hey guys we have a, an incredible show tonight that, that's all i can say it's going to be amazing our special guest tonight is going to amaze you he is going to blow your mind trust me that's part of my problem i've seen him too many times and my mind is gone He's performed in front of millions of people. He's been with us uh, at some of our events um, for a long time. We were talking earlier today about how many uh, things we've done together. He recently, if you can believe this, performed at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Let's welcome my good buddy, Danny Ray, to Utah. Danny, it's great to see you. Talked to you on the phone today, but now I can see you. Hey, uh, Steve, it's great seeing you, man. Uh, thankful to be here. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to, yeah, uh, to doing this. Oh, this is great. I appreciate you making time because I know you've been busy and, and you've got it's so great. many demands coming at, your, uh, at you. I mean, there's some, some huge things coming. Spoiler alert, we can't talk about it. Uh, this is but true. there is going to be a very big broadcast event, which we will let you guys know about. I am totally stoked that that's happening for you it's going to be so cool i mean it really is it's um got a new book coming i mean you've just got so much going on okay how much magic do you use to make all of these things happen <laughs> um lots of magic all the time but yeah for those it's just uh yeah continuing to see god's favor and just i'm um, trying to you know press forward in the in the pandemic, we created what we called our Super 8 and just put together eight things that we wanted to see done. Um, one of those was a book, um, but we ended up doing two books. Um, oh, okay. One of those is uh, is going to be published November 14th called nice. No One Can't Make Your Wife Disappear. Yeah, fun. Um, <laughs> can the then, same thing apply? Can, can we twist the title and No, I Can't Make Your Girlfriend Disappear or Your Boyfriend yeah, Disappear? Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Okay. There's a lot okay, of cool. yeah. relationship principles, even though it is a marriage book. Now, before we go too far, I have a totally, absolutely random question for you. I love random questions. Give it to me, Steve. <laughs> All right, Danny. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Wow. Uh, I, I know what it would be. I don't know if I have a why to that. I think this is going to sound dumb, but doing youth ministry forever. Uh, I've been doing youth ministry since I was 19. It would have to be pizza. I mean, oh, can, yes, it, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but you there's are truly so much my variety to pizza. You could do, uh, you could do, you know, the barbecue chicken. You could do pepperoni. You just do like a cheese night. You get creative, do desserts with pizza. I mean, we would come up with something serious if I was doing it for the rest of my life. I would be right there with you, my brother, because <laughs> you know me being Italian. It comes out and everything. So good choice. But you know, I'm maybe I I shouldn't tell you this, but maybe I was trying to use a little magic, you know, behind the scenes and kind of whisper into your mind pizza, pizza. <laughs> no no we don't want to go that way we don't go that way all right you know what talking about magic i'm going to turn you loose because um our audience is going to want to see and, and hear what you're doing so i'm going to back up a little bit and i'm going to enjoy this myself so show hey. us amaze us all right i'll show you a little something so first of all uh you might be familiar with these these are you know uh 
they use them in a psychologist's office where there's different pictures and they, they'll tr try to tell you like what you see and try to, like you might see something in here, a butterfly, or maybe you see, like I, I kind of see a spade, but I like to see cards. So you could see all of these, right? But if, sure. I'm gonna try to use an illusion here of just twisting them. With a twist, you can see one of them, it looks like it turns face down. Whoa. Okay. I'll, I'll go slower. I'll go slower. So look, another twist like this. And another one turns face down. I can't go much slower than that, Steve. That's it. That's as slow <laughs> as I can go. Okay, so so check this out. The last one, no fancy moves. I don't know if you could see, but to me, this looks like a club here. That kind of looks like a spade here. That other one looked like a diamond. In fact, they all turn face down. But they might look a little clearer now because they Whoa. look like that. King of Hearts, oh, King of Diamonds, oh. King of Clubs. There it is. The there it is. You have amazed right. me, although it doesn't take much to amaze me, but that, that's that's very cool. Uh, thank you. That You know, when did you start doing magic? I mean, you didn't just wake up one morning and go, hey, I'm going to do illusions of magic. <laughs> uh, so I started at 10 years old. So, yeah, I wasted those first nine years, but um, – <laughs> So 10 years old, I, I got a book called Close-Up Magic by Harry Lorraine and started working on sleight of hand, on card magic. And at 12 years old, I did my first show called Razzle Dazzle. I really? Impressive. Um, so I sold tickets for a quarter apiece. We had about 75 people show up. I was the richest kid in town. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was the beginning at 15 years old, got a job in a restaurant, did that, uh, that led to like other restaurants and local businesses, did that through high school and college. Um, when I was working on my master's, I kind of put it on the, the back burner and did it as people would show up. And then, uh, but yeah, I didn't really like, I wasn't pursuing it as much. And then sure. in 2003, we launched this and I've been on the road ever since we've, been to all 50 states, I think 19 or 21, something like that, countries. Wow. Uh, yeah, and 4,000 ish shows. So it's been a, a crazy deal. What a ride. What a crazy ride. Now, now, you've got me on states. I haven't been to 50, I've been to 35, but I've, I've got you on countries. I've been to 29. So we're, we're pretty right. equal on that. And some of them we've been together. We haven't done international yet, but we, do, we need to do international together. That'd be fun. Sounds like a plan. I'm going to put it on the schedule. Hold on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I already what? booked it. I'll let you know the date and time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, so, uh, um, kind of do that random thing and send it to my phone so that I know that it's, you know, when, when we're ready for it anyway. Hey, what is the most difficult part of being an illusionist, a magician? Uh, is there something that, um, I, I don't know if you know this, I actually used to play in, in the band for a magician, and he was known as the impossible possible Mr. Steve Baker. And if I remember correctly, he duplicated almost every one, I don't think all of them, but almost all of Houdini's, the, the you know, timeless magician illusions. Uh, I think he duplicated almost all of his, his tricks, the things that he did, his illusions. Um, and, you know, it was a fun gig to have because there I'm sitting on my drum kit and he's right in front of me and I could see stuff he was doing, of course, but the audience couldn't see all of these things. But for you, what is there a part for you personally um, yeah. or in general, for that matter, that is 
a tough part for a magician and an illusionist? Yeah, uh, I think the the toughest part has been being away from the family. We, you mm. know, we started this when my kids were two and four, mm. and now um, Brian holding the camera is twenty two, so he's starting his mathematics at UCR here soon, and then. Um, Spencer's doing a double major at um, CBU at California Baptist University um, in Christian studies and mathematics as well. And then Caroline's 16. So the three of them have grown up seeing this. They've been to probably, Brian, do you know, 28, 29 um, states? Yeah, roughly around there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's so, cool. So they've been able to do some traveling with you then. Yeah, so they get it. When when I get home and I'm exhausted, they're like, we get it, Dad. You've been going. <laughs> because, you know, my commitment to the family has always been to leave at the last possible second and mm. come home at the first possible. But mm. that usually means, you know, two to three hours of sleep that night after you finish the show to get home. Yeah. And- Kindly man- manner and just in time to take a nap with my kids on the couch or something. You know, so, um, but early on, Kim and I had to figure out how do we develop strategies that a lot of people aren't in. And we had seen, you know, lots, and I'm not going to put names, but lots of successful um, people that travel a lot mm-hmm. that weren't great on the home front. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They had a massive impact on the world, but and their family suffered greatly for that. And we just felt like that was a non-optional, you know, and, you know, with working with young people for a long time that they, they only have one dad, they only have one mom, you know, yep. some of them yep. are a blended family where there might, in fact, my, I'm in that situation where I have a stepdad, um, my biological father's passed away, but, you know, they're, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm the only dad for my kids, mm-hmm. and, but the, this idea of like, well, I could go speak and do all these great things, but if I don't live that out at home, that it, it just doesn't work out, you know? Oh, oh. We want to see people be authentic and real and, Absolutely. and when you're not down on the home front. So um, you can ask Brian questions, he'll tell you. Um, but I, <laughs> uh, I've done, and, and I've had conversations uh, really, uh, deep ones with my son that's holding the camera about, listen, I've done everything I possibly can to to be there for you and with mm-hmm. you. When I'm home, I'm home. I'm not, you know, absent. In, uh, that's in, cool. Yeah. So anyways, that's a, a long way of saying that's probably the, the hardest part. But it's also a part that brings so much joy of being able to go out and speak and perform and do all those things. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, we've done a number of things together and, and yeah. uh, over the years and, and it's just, it's, I'm amazed at what you're doing, but you know, we've never talked really at, at this level with the family, you know, and I think it's important for people in our audience to, to chew on what you've just said, because what's interesting and you know, this, especially having three young adults in your family um, and their friends, there's a lot of families where the dad doesn't travel, but he's absent. Um, You know, depending upon what study you read or whatever, they, some of them are saying that the average young adult, average uh, student only has one meal a week with their family. Wow. And you know, that that's, I know growing up in an Italian home, it's, it's, you know, food was always important and family was always important. And we would laugh and we would joke and talk about things and all until, 
I come from a, a broken home as well, you know, and yet my dad tried to stay very um, involved in our lives. But I appreciate that reminder you've given us. And if you are listening to the show, you don't have that kind of family. Do the best you can do to um, to, to be a solid part of you know, you and your brothers and sisters or whatever, and mom and dad, whatever the mix is, and make it your goal when you begin to get into relationships and, and you know, a, a marriage or whatever, that you will make the family a priority because it, it's so true. And but I don't know how some of our, our audience are surviving, especially in the crazy times we live without a solid family. So, um, well, I, I, a lot of props to you, my friend, for that, because, um, you know, it's um, like you said, your your kids only have one dad, one mom, yeah. you know, and um, there's so much that they look to in a mom and dad, so much that they need. Really quickly, Steve, before we get back, I just want to say to any students out there as well is, is yeah, when I grew up, uh, you know, my biological father took off when I was about four or five years old, and mm. I wouldn't see him again for decades. And Wow. His absence defined my childhood, and um, by far, he hurt me more than anybody else without ever saying a word, like, mm. just by him not being present. So oh, it's cool. one of the, so, but as painful as that was, I want to never change it, because it meant I will be present in the lives of my kids. Oh. And that's one of the opportunities that if you're watching this and you go, yeah, this, this is horrible, this sucks, but... Yeah. Um, you have a choice to change the future by um, by the way you choose to behave, by the way you um, how you choose to live. You don't totally. have to repeat those things. Totally. Sorry. No, yes, thank you. No, no, yeah. no, no. Thank you for that. Because students out there need to hear that, you know, and make that a goal. Um, keep it, keep your focus that way. Let's go back to your dad for, for just a moment. Um, the pandemic has affected all of us in lots of ways, we're still kind of sort of maybe in it, but um, you were like I was shut down from doing events and things. But you mentioned something today about uh, doing a, uh, some work with a, a prison outreach, prison fellowship. And um, I like, if I remember right, you recorded some things that they could get into the prisons. Is Am yes, I remembering so right? Yeah, Prison Fellowship, they have roughly 250 events that they do throughout the prisons in America. And due to COVID, which I feel like you could say that about anything these days. Yeah. Due to COVID, we can't do this. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they decided instead of having these events that are live, they were going to um, create three TV spots that mm -hmm. don't. It was approved at the state level in 40 states, which is crazy. Wow. That, That's nuts. Yeah. So there, there are 10 states where it wasn't shown in every prison, but the majority of them. But 40 mm -hmm. of them, it was shown in every penitentiary. And so we created a half-hour spot. You can find it somewhere on YouTube. And um, we, yeah, it was uh, for a prison fellowship called Hope Events. And I did one of those. And so now, yeah, we've been able to just um, bring the word, encourage people, bless people that are in prison that just need to, um, some hope and encouragement yeah. and love and, and know that, you know, there's people outside praying for them and that are there for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, 
If you don't mind, there's another personal note to that. And correct me here, am I remembering what we talked about earlier that your dad was incarcerated? Yeah, so when I was 14, so let me, let me, let me back up. So at four, four or five years old, he takes off and I would wake up with like nightmares of like, you know, where is he or us reuniting mm-hmm. realizing we're not together kind of yeah. throughout my childhood, through my teenage years and in college. So, I mean, it was just kind of a consistent dream of, uh, of both like um, either, you know, him dying or us reuniting, but then waking up and you're not united, you know, yeah. so the, the question I would have for my mom, you know, I, I would ask her, I'm like, mom, you know, do you know where Phil is that, you know, that's his, his name. And she's like, oh, you know, probably off in prison or off with some woman or, you know, gambling or, you know, any um, yeah. thing she would say, but never got a direct answer. And then I was in college, I was, you know, 18 years old and had another one of these dreams and or nightmares, however you want to look at that. And I called up my mom and she said, I want you to come to the house. And, it, you know, it's like an hour or so away. So she got my brother, my sister, myself there, and they said, you know, Danny's 18 years old now. We want, you know, the three of you to know you, you're all adults so you can make your own decisions now. Phil was incarcerated for, I'm not going to say the crimes he committed, but they're pretty horrendous crimes. Okay. And, uh, and here's his address. You know, he isn't aware of that, you know, that I'm giving you this information. Um, so that's when I found out, but he was incarcerated when I was 14 years old, but I was mm. at the time. Yeah. You know that it's a powerful story. And I want to go back to something you said <clears throat> quickly, but, um, I do a lot of school assemblies typically, you know, outside of the pandemic. And we were actually doing a bunch of them Zoom uh, via Zoom the last semester. But I remember being in one school and this this, uh, 15-year-old guy standing in line. You know, students are standing there wanting to talk. You've had this happen at events and so on. And this guy hands me this folded piece of paper. So what's this? My dad's phone number. Okay. Can you call him? What do you want me to say? He's a loser, Steve. We live with my grandmother and he sleeps on the couch and even have a job. Can you call him and tell him to stop being a loser and be a dad? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it broke my heart because it, it's, I think this, there are various stories out there. That, that's not a typical story necessarily, but go back to something because I, I want I want our audience to hear this again because it it is so crucial what you said about not letting these things in your past define you, but you said it in a much better way than I just did. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to repeat that, but um, um, yeah, is is a lot of times we do try to let our, our past define us, our situation, our circumstances, yeah. but we get to choose how we respond. Mm. And that's something that nobody can take away from you. When you look at people who survive like horrible things like Auschwitz um, or any number of like severely difficult things, it was their choice to respond in a, in a forgiving and a gracious and a merciful yes. way. And that's not the easy way. Um, but here's what I'll say is we, we get to be a part of writing the story of our lives. And, 
what's the story that you want to write? Is it that you're going to become a bitter, angry person because of the things that you that have happened to you or that you've even done? Or are you going to choose to um, show grace and mercy and forgiveness and love? And those things make for a better story. You look at any, whatever TV show or movie, sure. so many of them have a redemptive part of the story. Yes. Because that, it draws people in. Because even if it's not what we currently have, it's what we desire. Wow. Danny, that is so huge. Uh, writing your own story. We get to write our own story. And I hope people are listening and paying attention to that because it's huge. We don't have to be victims. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard uh, somebody speak. Actually, was she was a guest on our show uh, some months yeah. ago. But she just went through a terrible uh, she was raped. She had cancer. She was mm-hmm. uh, experienced racism. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. And um, her father, in essence, said what you did in a different way. And he said, I want you, um, he said, no matter what has happened or happens in the future, he said, you get five minutes to scream and yell, stomp and shout, punch the wall, do whatever you want to do. And he said, do not allow yourself to be a victim. Mm-hmm. Be a victor. Wow. And you're saying that in a different way. And, and I haven't heard somebody say this before, but that's huge. We can write our own story. And it's never too late to edit that story and update that story. And that's huge. Thank you. I mean, that is, that's, that, that's huge. That, that's um, so critical. And, and we will try to keep reminding our audience of that. All right. Do you have some more magic for us? Yes, let's do some. Some more amazing illusions. Yes. Blow my mind, Danny. (laughs) I'm going to try. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. So let's do this. I have have three coins. Okay, they're um, silver dollars. Okay. Okay. Now, it's a coin purse. It's a little sad to say that I have have a coin purse going on right now. (laughs) We'll let it fly. That's Okay. Uh, I don't know if you could see this right there, uh, but if I could just reach in, I could take one out. Okay. Uh, here, let's just reach in and we'll take another one. So that's two of them coming right through. The The last one here, I'll do it right on the table so you could see it, like the last one. So that's three coins. Now, let's, let's put these right back in, okay? We'll take the, right. the first one. Just drop it right in, leaving okay. me with just two coins. Um, the next one, we'll take it. We'll put it. Steve, you haven't blinked in like five minutes. I'm alive. I'm breathing. It's like, but this is like crazy. Uh, I, I'm trying. Uh, so, so here we go. Here comes the, the last one. We'll do it like this. Right inside, leaving me with one, two, three coins. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Uh, My mind is gone. Of course, it was. Many would say that it was gone before this, but I can truly say that. How long uh, does it take you to learn? Is there an average learning time for these illusions that you do, or everyone's different depending upon the complexity and, and what's involved? Yeah, everything's a little bit different. I used to say, like, to get something off the ground, it takes me about three to six months to bring in a new piece. But it feels like it's more like realistically like six months to a year. It's just really difficult. Like my show's so fine-tuned right now. I think Mm -hmm. there's different types of 
Like there's, um, they, I know not everybody will know who Seinfeld is. Hopefully some of the uh, young people out there know like Seinfeld. But Seinfeld, he basically has one show that he's honed over the years. And uh-huh. then there's um, somebody like Jim Gaffigan or Brian Regan where they're creating a new show every year. And when yeah. they first get that show off, it's not super polished. It's okay. Um, but then it, it becomes great by the end of the year. Yeah. And I feel like I'm on, on that other side where I I have about 80% of my show that will stay the same in any given year. And then there's 20%. But it has to be better than what I'm currently Interesting. Doing. Yeah. So, so over the years, you know, it changes, it develops. But it is definitely one of those things that just... Um, I'm constantly, my thing is I always want to do my best, not just be something new because it's new. Yeah. Okay. Well then that, that kind of begs for another question. Where does your inspiration come for a new trick that you do and a new routine that you do? I mean, again, is it just, it could happen any place, anywhere with anything, or are there particular things that really inspire you or get, you have that aha, I could use that. I could do something with that. Yeah, so a little bit of everything. So I I used to be an avid reader before this year, but uh, <laughs> I, I still read quite a bit. And so a lot of the books I read, I'll, I'll, I'll get an idea from a book where I'm like, oh, that could be a great idea mm. for a presentation. So sure. then I have to find a trick to fit that presentation. And then there's other times where I'll see something and I'm like, oh, that's a wine glass. And I'll, you know, I'll look at that wine glass and I'll just literally, this is my process, stare at the wine glass and go like, what's the craziest thing I could do with this? And so uh, that's, yeah, part of the, the process that I'll go through is just like staring at objects and trying to figure out something crazy. I know my son, he just got some really interesting object that's like a four-dimensional, uh, we're not going to get into it. but um, Klein bottle. It's a Klein bottle. <laughs> okay. And, I haven't had time to stare at it because he showed it to me on the side of the road while he was heading off to Orange County and I was going somewhere else. But um, <laughs> I want to stare at that more and see if there's the Klein bottle. Um, people can look it up. And it's, it is a bizarre concept and idea that basically there's liquid that can go in, but it can't go out. It's bizarre. Ooh. And so Ooh. I need to process this object and see is there any it's magical in itself that you could put liquid in but you can't get it out absolutely um, yeah but yeah i'll probably stare at that for a while and see if there's something i could breathe a magic piece into so interesting well does has your family learned a routine when they they come in the room and they see you holding something and you're staring at it going okay he's at it again yeah um yeah, I've had to learn to be able to break my kind of concentration that way, having kids and a wife that um, need you, you know? Sure, um, sure. I've had to, to learn to be able to um, do that at the right times. That's why I get up early and try to get things done before they're up, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome because it's uh, with a creative mind. Like, I mean, you are so creative in being able to take different things. Now, before I forget, I want to make sure people know, how can they follow you on social media, website, that kind of thing?